0: Welcome back to Conservative. Today is a great day to be in America. We finally, after 50 years, have overturned Roe v. Wade. I am so thrilled. That we in America currently have a Supreme Court that even after such a scary leak, even after being intimidated, they were still able to hold their ground and make a correct decision in regards to the law. SCOTUS is now the official champion of June. They absolutely won June. They're doing amazing stuff. They also just enforced constitutional laws for guns in New York state. This is a huge win for conservatives this week. I know that for myself and others that this is so nice to watch some truth, some good, some justice to come out of this Really awful administration. We've seen horrible inflation. We've seen horrible gas prices. We've seen money being sent to foreign wars that we're not even involved in. We've seen a president who, you know, falls off his bicycle. We are in a position where it is so refreshing to see good come out of this month, good come out of this year. It makes my heart smile. It's like, okay, we actually have something we can rally behind. Something that can get people to go to the polls. Something that we can cling on to that there is hope for America in the future. The thing that currently makes me the most concerned is how naive people are about this decision. I think on both ends of the spectrum, people are looking at this Roe v. Wade decision and they're seeing an abortion ban. I want to make something so incredibly clear. Overturning Roe v. Wade does not ban abortions in America. I cannot stress that enough because that seems to be the number one misconception people have right now, and it makes me want to rip my hair out. So the question then becomes, if this isn't an abortion ban, one, why all the outrage? Two, What did it actually do? I'm here to basically answer those two questions. Let's start with showing you what this ruling actually does. First thing to clear up, this is not a bill. This is not a law. It is a precedent. That's what the Supreme Court does. They look at the Constitution and they come up with decisions based on previous court rulings, whether or not they should happen, shouldn't happen, certain questions get answered, certain people come to resolutions the same way you would in a normal court. Roe v. Wade was a decision that basically said that states do not have the right to ban abortions, which was really not very good law to begin with. They somehow managed to weasel out that there was a constitutional right to abortion that never truly existed. Even Ruth Bader Ginsburg herself said that Roe v. Wade was bad law. She knew that it didn't have a whole lot of ground to stand on. And she was one of the more liberal justices of my entire lifetime. Even she knew that this was bad law. So why the outrage? Well, basically because people don't actually use their brains and they believe what is fed to them. And they believe that this is banning all abortions in America. Which I find kind of funny because all of the people that are outraged and all the people who are going to go riot in the streets are generally from cities where their laws are not going to be affected by this ruling. This is going to have the same level of irony as the BLM riots did. Basically, it's going to go, we're a bunch of Democrats protesting in a Democrat city where things are already how we voted for them to be. Abortions aren't going anywhere in those states. They don't actually have to go anywhere in those states. The Supreme Court doesn't make laws. The Supreme Court did not make a law banning abortions. They basically said that, well, I believe, or the Constitution believes, that the states should be able to choose what they want to do in regards to abortion, which is essentially how the Constitution was written from day one. Anything that isn't framed in the Constitution is supposed to go to the states. That was the intention of the Founding Fathers. Now, I'm going to touch more on this whole state's rights issue in a little bit because I think it's one of the most important things for us to be knowledgeable of in regards to not only this Supreme Court decision, but also politics in general. People seem to forget that the states are supposed to have a lot more rights than they do. But I digress. I'm going to get back to that in a minute. The first thing I want to do is actually read to you the actual decision, the actual document, of what the Supreme Court decided today. The decision reads We hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled. The Constitution makes no reference to abortion, and no such right is implicitly protected by any constitutional provision, including the one on which the defenders of Roe and Casey now chiefly rely. The Due Process Clause of the Fourteenth Amendment. That provision has been held to guarantee some rights that are not mentioned in the Constitution, but any such right must be deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition, and implicit in the concept of ordered liberty. The right to an abortion does not fall within this category. Until the latter part of the 20th century, such a right was entirely unknown in American law. Indeed, when the 14th Amendment was adopted, three quarters of the states made abortion a crime at all stages of pregnancy. The abortion right is also critically different from any other right that this court has held to fall within the 14th Amendment's protection of liberty. Now, I read the whole quote there because there are pieces of this that are really incredibly important. The next piece I'm going to read to you is the 14th Amendment, which is critically important to understand if we plan on understanding what this ruling is essentially saying. So the 14th Amendment has five different sections. I'm only going to read to you the first one because it's the only one that's actually relevant to why the decisioning is what it is. It says, All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. What's interesting about the 14th Amendment is that it was used to equalize the slaves. And then later, during Roe v. Wade, the due process law indicated a right to privacy, which then was used as a justification for why women should be allowed to have abortions, because it was their right to privacy and their right to their choices that made abortion a constitutional law. You can kind of see how twisted this is and why this doesn't hold a whole lot of water. And this is why this is being overturned, because it really wasn't a good decision from the get-go. It doesn't really relate to what the 14th Amendment actually was intended to do. What Roe v. Wade did at the time was they said that there were 30 states that had full-out abortion bans at the time. And Roe v. Wade forced those states, it forced those people to offer abortions that those states didn't want. That's what Roe v. Wade did, which is also part of the fundamental reason why they can overturn this ruling. In order for the ruling to have any type of legs to stand on, there would have had to have been a long-standing history of abortions in America. The reason why that doesn't work is because at the time of the ruling, there were 30 states, 30 out of 50, that did not want abortions. And we took that away from the states. The way that the Constitution works is that anything that is not dictated in the Constitution or in the Bill of Rights or in the amendments after the Bill of Rights, those issues get kicked to the state. That is how the Constitution was designed. That's how the Founding Fathers intended it to be. What's so beautiful about that system is that that gives people an element of choice in their life. Nowhere else in the world can you stay within your country and have a choice of what type of government you're going to live under. When you actually sit back and think about it, it's pretty ingenious, right? It is the epitome of freedom. That's That was the whole point of America to begin with, right? Freedom, freedom of choice, freedom of personhood, choosing who you want to be, where you want to go, what kind of life you want to live, which is why I don't understand why this is such a big deal to people. If you want an abortion, then go to a state that's going to offer one. If you, like me, don't want to support abortions in any way, then you have the right to go move to a state where your taxpayer dollars aren't going to be funding Planned Parenthood. That is the epitome of choice, right? You want to talk about pro-choice? Then give me the choice to not have to pay for abortions, and you have the choice to go live in a state where the regulations say you can have one. If we're all about freedom, and we're all about choice, then none of this should be a problem. It baffles my mind that we have become a culture that is so overwhelmed with media and so unable to actually look at what's put in front of us that we now have a whole host of people believing that this is an abortion ban. That today is the last day in America that you can get an abortion. I guarantee at least 70% of people who are outraged right now believe that. They believe that there will no longer be abortions in America. Now, the reason I know this is because I am an absolute Instagram addict. I spend way too much time on there. I have three separate accounts. I've got my personal account, a photography account, and the account that I use for this. So I will say I spend way too much time on there. But it does give me a very interesting perspective on what my generation is actually thinking about on a day-to-day basis. It gives me an opinion and a view of how my generation is handling culture and dealing with these changes and taking this kind of news. While sometimes it can be damaging to my brain, it is very telling to see how many people of my generation are absolutely outraged over this decision. Yet I grew up in New York state. Okay. So a lot of my friends are in New York state. I don't think any of them have any idea that their laws are not going to change. It's kind of sad, honestly, like it shows you how horrible the education system has failed because we just have a bunch of people who believe everything completely blindly. And What I also think is probably the saddest part about being on Instagram right now and seeing all this stuff is I'm a churchgoer, which means a lot of my friends are also churchgoers. They're also people who truly believe in the Bible, or at least they claim to believe in the Bible. Yet, for some reason, they are also outraged about this overturning of Roe v. Wade. Yet, in my opinion, this is the one issue where Christians should be able to line up and all agree. There, there really should not be a whole lot of debate here, yet for some reason, there is. And that really does truly sadden my heart, because I don't understand how you can be a Christian and believe in the truth of the Bible that literally says, I knit you in your mother's womb. I knew you before you were born, how they can take that scripture and then be okay with murdering babies. Okay, like where did that, where's the disconnect here? Because in my opinion, this should be something where every single person who is Bible believing should be able to stand behind this one. We should be excited about it, especially because it's not an abortion ban. It's simply giving your state the right to say, "Eh, we don't want to have them here. So on Instagram today, I posted on my personal page a excited post about how, yay, Roe v. Wade is overturned. I also put on there that I wanted people to understand this isn't an abortion ban, and this is simply allowing states to make a choice as the Constitution intended, and if you want an abortion, go move to a state that offers abortions. I had someone reply to this story saying that I'm being privileged and insensitive because not everybody can go and get an abortion. Okay, fine. There's poor people out there. So I offered people some other options. I said, okay, in the instance of rape or even in the instance of unintended, unprotected sex, Plan B is a fantastic option. It's around 40 bucks and it has a 75 to 89% effectiveness. If you are raped, I am so sorry, that's awful. But part of the aftercare of that should be going to get plan B, going to see a doctor. If you aren't doing that, I'm still sorry that that happened to you, but you're not taking the proper precautions. The second thing that I think is a great argument for some of this is that crisis pregnancy centers are able to assist with medical costs and adoption If they want that option. And there's over 2,500 locations nationwide. Also, in the response to, well, moving isn't really accessible for everybody. You don't even have to move. A plane ticket to a state that is near yours, that offers an abortion, under $1,000 round trip. This is about taking ownership for your life. It's about taking ownership for your decisions, your life, even in the instance of rape, I understand that in that instance, sex was not your choice. You still have the power to make a decision to do with the situation you've been handed and make choices to prevent yourself from getting an abortion. We act in this country like abortion is the only option for birth control. It isn't. You have the choice to not have sex, other than the instance of rape. And in that instance, there are options for you to prevent having a baby. Two, not everyone is a victim. If you made a choice to have sex, that is on you. You know what sex produces. I know that we don't have the best sex ed in this country. I think that it should be revamped as along with... The majority of Americans. But the one thing that they tell you very clearly in sex ed is that you have sex that can make a baby. Not a wild out there concept. So why are we acting like we don't know that sex produces a baby and that if you have a pregnancy due to your unprotected sex, it's like, oh, my God, I'm going to have a baby. Oh, I'm in such shock. Why? Why are you in shock? You this is this is. Common knowledge. You should know this stuff. And abortion should not be your form of birth control. To be honest with you, in my opinion, the best solution to this problem is that abortions should be patient-funded. Or bare minimum, insurance-funded. Taxpayers should not be paying for this. Point blank. Period. That's why this actual decision is a really awesome thing. Because my tax dollars are no longer paying for something that I find morally wrong. If you think abortion is okay, then in my opinion, you should have to pay for it. Because you know what? Plan B costs 40 bucks. Birth control, you can get it online now without insurance. Condoms, there is a 24-pack on Amazon for $6. Tell me what affordable birth control you need. Because abortion should not be birth control. Point blank, period. And I am so thrilled that we are now in a place where that is actually something that we can believe as a country. And I can go live in a place where I don't have to have my money going towards killing babies. So continuing on with my story, I then asked this girl who responded to my story, Okay, fine. We're not going to agree. I think abortions are wrong and I want to protect unborn children. She had the premise of, well, I want to protect the mother. I said, fine, those are the two issues. What do you believe the middle ground is? And like everyone else on the face of the planet, she completely avoided the question. But she did say, well, I take a more libertarian view that people should be able to make their choices and they should be able to have the option to have those choices, which was basically listening to the feminist liberal cassette play on repeat. So I then challenged her and I said, well, do you understand that your quote unquote libertarian views are actually perfectly in line with what actually happened? Roe v. Wade being overturned is actually probably one of the most libertarian things that we could have had happen in America. I told her, I said, with a libertarian view, I ask you, do you understand that this decision actually leans towards libertarianism? It gives more power to the people, it allows them to choose what they want. If you want an abortion, go somewhere and get one. If you don't want to pay for abortions, live somewhere where you don't have to. If you live in a state where you want abortion laws, go ahead and vote for people who are pro-abortion. What isn't libertarian is forcing states and taxpayers to pay for abortions without supporting it. That's not libertarian. That's not freedom. This decision gives power back to the people. And I'm going to stand by what I said. Yes, It may be challenging for people to move states. I'm not going to deny that, especially with today's housing market. But if you truly believe that it is going to improve your life so much, then go. That's your right. You have every right to go. And that's what I said before. That is what's so awesome about America. You don't even need a passport. You can go. You don't need a green card. You can go and pick exactly which type of government you want to live with. I love that. That is the epitome of freedom. Now, as someone who is a Christian, I would love nothing more than to see abortions just completely banned in America. But I don't think that that's going to happen. So this is the next best thing is that I now have a choice. I didn't have a choice before my entire young life. My entire young adult life, I didn't have a choice whether or not my tax dollars were going to fund abortions. I now have that choice. I'm the one who's been liberated. Me, the American people who don't support abortions, we're the ones who finally got a choice. If you're so pro-choice, why is my choice not important? It should be important. We are seeing freedom working. It's incredible. I'm so happy about it. And if you can actually view it this way, I think less people will be upset about it. I really do. I think that if we can show people that this is nothing more than adding choices to the docket, we'll, be, we'll, we'll have a, at least the moderates will maybe understand the position a little better. There's still people that are gonna be outraged because how dare I not want to kill babies, but at least we're moving in the right direction where I can have a choice to not see, support, fund abortions. Now, if you've ever had a conversation with a liberal about this topic, you probably have heard some of the following arguments that I'm going to present to you. I want to present these arguments and I want to debunk these arguments because most of them are incredibly weak and most of them can actually be fought with very sound basic logic that they usually cannot come up with a rebuttal to. The two arguments that I hear the most often are what about rape and incest and what about ectoptic pregnancies, both of which are horrible Instances in any woman's life. I've never been raped. I've never been pregnant. I don't know what those types of instances are. I do want to give an element of sympathy to those instances because I could not imagine being so violated as the instance of rape. And I could not imagine having a child that I love and a pregnancy I'm excited about only to find out that either the baby isn't viable or the egg implanted in my fallopian tube and I'm in danger. I cannot even begin to fathom what those situations look like. But I do not believe that tragedy and evil should be met with more evil. The other thing too is that the statistics don't really back this up. There was an article on USA Today that told us that the instances of abortion for rape and incest are only 1.5% of abortions, and most abortions are done because the woman just kind of doesn't want a child right now. And while, yeah, there's a few that are there for rape and incest, it's not enough for an exception to make a rule. The other problem is that you go to someone who is Pro choice, and you go, okay, fine. I'll concede on rape and incest. We can have abortions for rape and incest, but can we ban all other abortions? And most of the time, they say no because they are only using the instance of rape and incest and they're only using that sympathy for their agenda. That's all they want. They just want to get their agenda and they're going to pull out the sympathy cards when it's convenient for them, which is why you see the rape and incest. The ectopic pregnancies and the unviable pregnancies, those are a little bit of a different scenario, but again, they're an exception that people are trying to use for the rule. What I will say, though, is that All of the states that have currently placed abortion restrictions and abortion bans have made clauses and exceptions for the instance where the baby is already deceased, it's not viable, the mother's life is at risk. And to be perfectly honest with you, most pro-life people don't really consider those abortions. Well, The end result may be the same, a termination of a pregnancy. Those aren't generally instances that are chosen. We're against people who are choosing to have abortions as a form of birth control. Instances where the mother's life is in significant danger and the baby isn't viable, those are medical procedures to protect the woman's life. I have no issues with those because in those instances, that baby has already past that baby has already been determined as not viable it will not grow and it will not live in that instance yes you save the mother and in every state currently where there is some sort of abortion law those instances are allowed to happen because most of us don't classify those as abortions even though they have the same end result so therefore again as much as I understand the sympathy. Those aren't good answers for why we should allow abortions. Because the reality is is that those aren't really the reasons that you want abortion. You want abortions so that you can use it as birth control. Taxpayer funded. On demand. Up to nine months. That's not reasonable. People talk all the time about give and take, but there's never any give. There's only take. So here's the moment where the pro-life side got to watch some of the take come back to us. The third argument I hear, again, on a pretty regular basis is, well, what about the quality of life for the baby? Mom can't take care of it. Then what do we do? Let's put more funding into foster care and adoption of American children. I've said this for years. I also believe that this is something where the Republicans can really step up on. If we're going to be pro-life, then this argument, I believe, needs to be tackled. We need to focus on funding the future of our children, the future generations. And there are a lot of kids in foster care. There are a lot of kids in America that need good adoptive homes. The problem is is that it's horribly expensive, and it's very challenging to do. And the foster care system is very unstable for young children. The problem is, is that there's no money going to it. And I don't see very many families who are willing to be foster parents. We need more people in the system to take care of these kids. And I believe that if we're going to truly be pro-life and we're going to truly say, well, your baby could just be adopted, then we need to prove that true. We shouldn't be sending money to foreign wars. We shouldn't be putting money here, putting money there. Money should be going towards schools and better care for our young children especially those who aren't privileged enough to have a loving mother and father. On Facebook today, I saw all types of fundraising going on for Planned Parenthood today. I did not see a single fundraiser for crisis pregnancy centers, and I did not see a single fundraiser going towards any type of care for children in the foster care system. If we're going to be pro-life and we're going to stand on this, that I'm going to adamantly believe that we should be giving money to these people, to these organizations, rather than Planned Parenthood. The final argument that I want to touch on is that people always relate these kinds of things back to race. And that because abortion is going to be limited, that somehow black people are going to suffer. Because these women can't abort their children, therefore they're poor, and therefore they can't take care of them. One, that is full of really awful generalizations that kind of hurt my heart. Because how is it that saying those statements isn't also racist? Like, black women aren't capable of taking care of children, and that black women are poor, and that black families don't work. Like, all of those are just racist statements as what you're supposing that we're doing by banning abortions. In my opinion, that's worse because I don't want to kill black babies, but you think that killing black babies is going to be the solution to black America's problem. That's absolute ludicrous. It's stupid. It's a straw man argument. It has absolutely nothing of basis. It's useless. The other thing that I don't think that anybody actually knows is that abortion in America and Planned Parenthood was founded on some of the most racist principles ever seen in America. Planned Parenthood was founded by Margaret Sanger. She was a racist eugenicist who believed in a superior race She calculated everything out and she meticulously put Planned Parenthood centers into minority communities so that she could see a reduction in the population of what she called undesirables. This woman was a Democrat. She was a liberal. She was a progressive. Explain to me how anybody with that information, could look at this and go, that's racist. Because it isn't. What people don't understand, and the saddest part of this fact, is that it actually worked. The black population in America would be double what it is today without Margaret Sanger. She was actually successful in her mission. She has successfully reduced the population of black America... To the point where in 10 to 20 years, they will have absolutely no voting power. They will be such a minority in the country that their votes essentially will not matter. You want to talk about racist? That's racist. So protecting black babies is of utmost importance if we are going to achieve racial diversity and equity in this country. We can't keep killing black children. I don't want to see black children killed, and neither does any other pro-life person. So for you to say that Planned Parenthood needs to be in minority communities is horrendous, it is racist, and it is absolutely 100% buying into every single lie you've ever heard and continuing to allow the black people to be oppressed. Today should be a day that we celebrate. It's a day that freedom has won. It's a day where we had some people in leadership who were appointed, who had a backbone, and who chose to live without fear. The prayer this week is that those Supreme Court justices and their families remain safe. There's going to be a lot of outrage with their decisions this week. My hope is that they can remain safe in their homes with their families and that people can live in peace together through this decision. Have conversations. Don't stand on a picket line. Standing on a picket line is not action. Having a conversation, talking to your politicians, and making choices for yourself that are going to better your life, that's action. I encourage everyone to be firm in what they believe. Do not allow people and lies to convince you to give up on what you know to be true and right. This is a moment where we can celebrate together. America has chosen to protect the most innocent lives among us. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. I really enjoyed getting a chance to talk about this topic. I'm so excited that we live in an America where life is protected. And I'm so excited to see what comes next from our Supreme Court. Until next time, if you're interested in following along on when I upload podcasts, please follow me on Instagram. It's at underscore C-O-N-S-H-E-R-V-A-T-I-V-E. I would love to have you join us there and if you ever have any topics that you would like me to discuss, I would love to have you message me those ideas. I'm always looking for new things to talk about and I'd love to hear from the people that listen. As always, stand firm, love others, and be proud to be conservative.